0: Hey friends, welcome. We are so glad you are joining us today um, for this this series that we're in, this First Corinthians, Corinthians series Um, but hey we want to let you know we've got a lot of things that are going on here at Christ Community Church and we would love for you to be involved in those things so if you go to our website you can go on to our coming up page and you will see kind of all the events groups ways that you can get connected um, and just be a part of our family here Um, so be sure to like and subscribe so that more content comes in your feed as we just go through this new series so enjoy the message Thank you guys for coming. Um, I have a really big heart of gratitude uh, that you all are here. Um, I have been on sabbatical the whole summer, so I've not been here. Um, I, I fully understand that you all have been going through a sermon series on 1 Corinthians, and I had this time on the calendar I was supposed to do a sermon, and that begins today. And I was desperately hoping I didn't have to do a sermon in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, and for, yeah, you guys are really brave. And you are very brave. Thank you for going into passages that, that the other churches don't go through. Um, thank you for having integrity and taking the time to hold them and to think about them, and pray over them. Um, thank you uh, for taking the time to honor the Bible, and the text, and the church, and for caring that you're here. So I say thank you for showing up, because thank you for showing up, because it shows you really care. It's an honor to be here tonight. So, so I came back, and I saw the date on the calendar, and I didn't have the Passage yet, and I asked Pastor Allen. I was like, "All right, tell me the passage." And and I was I was kind of afraid for him to tell because I know the place uh, that First Corinthians is at this point, and it's like, man, as a pastor, it isn't fun. It's just not fun. And and so I'm like, "Tell me the passage." And he opens up his Bible and he starts turning the pages and he starts putting his fingers down the pad, like, oh no. And like, he's going down. And he's like, ah, here it is. And he points to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. And I said, are you sure? And he goes, yep. And I said, really? Yep. And I said, thank you. We dodged a bullet tonight. We dodged the bullet, and we are going to have fun because today is good. There's a lot of great theology just like hunkered down at this end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Who knew? Um, This passage holds some really brilliant theology, and some of it I haven't actually really thought a whole bunch about. But before diving into it— There's something I have to kind of like paint this picture. There's this hunk of theology that Paul assumes that that you all understand, that you all are holding, that you all are a part of the culture that he is talking to. And this chunk of theology is how the passage ends. And so I'm going to actually bring in the end first so that you can help interpret how the passage begins. Because it's really important that you understand the assumption that Paul has. Okay? So here's how the passage ends. Here we go. Everybody. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. All right. So that's how the passage ends. Okay. Okay. So all of us have heard this, but have you really sat in this before? This idea that your bodies have been bought with a price. It's simple, right? Your bodies have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. So I just want us to pause and sit a bit in this concept that your bodies were bought with a price. I I grew up having this theology, and I think I, I kind of sit in this a lot, that 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 God cares about the heart. He cares about the soul. He cares about the spirit. He died for me so that I can go to heaven. Um He he, he asked for the heart. If I invite him into the experience that I'm offering him. I'm, offer, I'm bringing him into my heart. There's a b- bunch of Christian theology today that is hyper-spiritualized about the soul, the heart, the spirit. And so if you told the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the odds are it's, it, the story isn't going to be, he died for my body and soul. Um, it's, it's he died for, for me and my heart. And, and so if I believe in him, I will not die, right? So there's this theology that Paul has and there's this theology that the Hebrew people have that your body and your soul are kind of the same thing. Um, he cares about your heart and everything attached to it because your heart pumps blood into your body right? Um, There's this idea that your body was bought with a price. I know that sounds very like, well, of course it was. I know. But if we really believed that our bodies were bought with a price and weren't our own and they were the same value to God as everything else and when you accepted the altar call, when you put your hand in the air, whenever you gave your heart over, your body was given over too. It cost you everything. God bought that. So your body, God bought it. That's what Paul is saying. God bought all of you. You are not yours. So if you have put your trust and your faith in Christ, you own nothing anymore. That that, that idea that I am my own person, this is who I am. No, you're not. And Paul's assuming you understand that. It's pretty cool. I actually have not thought about this before. To the point, the other day I had a doctor's appointment because I thought, if God cares about my body, I should too. Seriously. If God cares about my body, I should probably do a better job with the food that I eat. If God cares about my body, I should have a physical and a colonoscopy. Like, if God cares about my body... I should take this serious because it's actually his. And so Paul is is assuming that going into chapter 6, you know that your body is the testament of who he is. Okay, this is really, really cool. So here's the passage. It's coming at the end of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter six. He has said a lot of hard things. So if you haven't heard it yet, you need to play the past sermons, go back there, or you don't. Either way. Um, but it's coming at the tail end. And so Paul is kind of like summarizing it all up, and he says, "Flee from sexual immorality." All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And that's it. So just a bit of context um, who is the author of 1 Corinthians? It's the Apostle Paul. Who is the Apostle Paul? This is fun. So the Apostle Paul is a former Pharisee. So, so he is really Jewish, okay? Like, he is really Jewish. Um, he, he was brought up in the temple. Um, he took the temple very serious. Um, he speaks temple vocabulary. He believes in the power of the temple. He believes that the temple had been the place that that the Spirit of God dwelled. He fought for the temple. He's brilliant. He's really educated. He knows his things. He got converted. He saw Christ come to him, and it blinded him and then he could see for the first time, although he thought he could see before. This is really fun. And so so Paul is probably the first Pharisee practicing temple Pharisee, uh, sacrifice honoring, uh, celebratory Pentecost... Um, Pharisee guy. Everything happens in the temple who is going to begin to ask, how do I practice all of the things that I did before outside the temple? Right? Because he saw Jesus and he saw everything that he had before as something different. So anytime Paul talks about the temple, it's really important because you got to understand the temple had been his heart. It was everything concrete and solid to him. It was everything he could point at and be like, this is it. Then all of a sudden he saw Christ and it was like, that temple doesn't exist anymore. Right? So temple vocabulary is different with Paul. It's really fun. Okay. And he's talking to the church of Corinth. Who is the church of Corinth? I'm just going to like summarize the church of Corinth. I think the church of Corinth is... So fun. I think they're brilliant. They are really smart. They can talk about anything and create arguments. Um, They're very educated. Their economy is booming. They are successful and they are fearless. They are a brave people. They are not afraid of anything. And, and so especially thinking about the group of people who converted from their pagan faith and put their faith in Christ because the church of Corinth hadn't been Hebrew people converting to Christianity. They were pagan people converting to Christianity, right? So all they understand are pagan things. And they put their faith in Christ probably because they heard Paul uh, proclaiming the gospel and they accepted it. And, and they, are tr- they are a brave and courageous people group who is not afraid of anything. So so if you think about who Paul is and then who the church of Corinth is, you got this really fun combo of people if you're trying to plan a church, especially in this idea of being fearless. I am afraid of brown bears. Brown bears are my biggest all-time fear. I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a sportsman. I really love the outdoors. And I think people enjoy coming up and they'll ask, so are you afraid of Brown bears. And they expect, like, no, I'm not afraid of brown bears. I've really figured out how to do it. I am terrified of brown bears. I don't go anywhere. I don't go in the outdoors where there could possibly be a brown bear. Then I know some of you are probably going to say, but I thought you hunted Alaska. Yep, on an island that didn't have brown bears. Well, I thought you hunted Canada. Also, on a part of a... that didn't have brown bears. I specifically avoid brown bears at all costs because they are apex predators and they will kill you, right? I don't care how prepared you are. They are dangerous and I am afraid of them. If you go in brown bear territory, they'll say you have to have a sidearm and you have your can of bear spray. You have both at all time. So it's like you I don't know. I don't because I've never heard of that being successful. I've heard of people being eaten alive by brown bears who had a sidearm and bear spray on them. I have a friend in Alaska. I have a who was taking out his garbage and he was eaten by a brown bear. No. No! Brown bears are apex predators, and that means they're really good at what they do. And so I fully understand, like, the outdoorsmen, the sportsmen, they're like, so if you ever see a brown bear, you shouldn't, you know, just haul off and run. I'm going to haul off and run if I ever see a brown bear. I don't care. And it's that very heartbeat, I think that that posture that Paul is coming to the, the church of Corinth and when he's talking about the things he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because he just gets done talking about all this garbage. And then he says, if you see this, flee. Right? It's, it's, it's brilliant. Like, he's like, flee. What does that mean? means run, right? If if you experience this, run. Haul your butt out of there. Don't think about it. Like, if I see a brown bear, I don't think I'm like, well, that's a brown bear, you know, and I'm going to go up and turn it into a pet, I'm going to pet it a little bit, and I'm going to hope I can figure it out. No, I'm terrified of brown bears. There are signs in the forest <laughs> that say, don't feed the bears. Have you ever seen those signs? Don't feed the bears. The only people who are tempted to feed those bears are from California, and they have no idea what, and all of us have seen those videos of people going up, you know, we're like, what are you doing? Run away. If you think about the heart of Paul, like he just began laying it out, and he's like, guys, if you ever come across this, if you ever get tempted, pack it up and run. Flee from sexual immorality. That's pretty cool, right? It's a pretty cool concept to think about the things that Paul isn't saying here. He isn't saying, hey, so I just got done spilling this out. <laughs> Here's all these things that is going to destroy you. So if you ever encounter them, if you're ever tempted by them, sit and contemplate them. Sit and think about how you could possibly experience some of it, and then it'll be okay. Sit and think about how it could be acceptable. Sit and think about how that you're able to hide it. Sit and think about, or, or it's, it, it is the only time That the apostle says, do not have courage here. Don't be brave here. There is nothing brave about going and petting a brown bear. It's stupid. The same thing applies to everything the apostle Paul is talking about. There is nothing brave contemplating sexual sins. It's stupid. Love it. So, check this out. The passage goes on. Here it is. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What does this mean? And this is like a a fun part of this passage because it's talking about sin. Okay, but the only place sin's ever talked about is in the church, blah, blah, blah. I know, but sometimes sin can be fun to talk about because it helps us understand ourselves a bit. So so Paul is drawing this separation as far as sin goes, and he says, sexual sins are different because sexual sins are against your own body, It's important to understand how the Jewish people interpret and understand what a sin is. So if you ask a Jewish person, okay, tell me what a sin is. They'll say, that's easy. It's rebellion against God. Rebellion against God. It's God has told us, dot, dot, dot. And then I will say, no, that's a sin. And so all sins is rebellion against God himself, right? That that's how they will define sin. But Paul separates sexual sins and all the other sins and say, sexual sins are a bit different because sexual sins are sins against your own body. So if you put Hebrew theology and this idea of sin on the thing that Paul is saying, that it's a sin against your own body, what does that mean? Okay, so all the other sins are rebellion against God himself, and all sins are against God, but sexual sins are sins against your own body too. What does that mean? If rebellion against God is the overarching umbrella of sin, what is it to sin against your own body? It's to... Rebel against yourself. It, 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 it is to fight a battle against your own b- body. It is to re- rebel against the body that you have. Sexual sins cause us chaos in the form of the body. It causes us chaos f- physically. It causes us chaos spiritually. It causes us chaos m- it will destroy you. And Paul is kind of like spilling this out. Like, this is really different than just a big spiritual sin against God. You're actually sinning against yourself. And you can kind of hear like this fatherly tone. They're like, don't be an idiot. Don't touch it. Don't feed the brown bear." what are you doing? These are different. This is a sin against yourself and God. You will destroy yourself. And this is why Paul gets so adamant, run, run away fast, run away hard, because probably at the age that Paul is, he has seen the things that have happened to people who engage in sexual sins. It's hard the older you get, you see the people affected by certain things. And being a father, you don't want your kids experiencing the things that you have seen tons of people experience, and it ends out poorly for them. I mean, like, think about a father's heart talking to his kids, and that's who Paul is, and saying, don't mess with it. So, So I have a friend who also is a hunter, and he's, he's uh, under the age of 22, and so he's, he's kind of in this like very, very excitable phase of being a human being, right? And he enjoys having conversations about things, um, but he is a really, really, really good hunter. I also am a very good hunter. I've been doing it a super long time. And he has found himself caught up in just falling for the easiest things on the internet. And he was coming. And it's like, man, I'm, I don't understand, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And, and he and I had this talk. And it, it turned into this conversation about hunting a bit. And so if hunting offends you, I'm sorry, but this is the best I got, all right? So this is it. This is it. So there is a 14-day time period that that people fight over that is the best time to hunt. It is the time that the air gets cold cool, that the phases of the moon are, are, are a bit different, and it's fully blocked out, and it's about to snow, but it hasn't yet. It's the time of year that, 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 that the, the only time that the does go in heat. There's a 14-day time period that the does are in heat, and when the does are in heat, that's the only time the big bucks come out people don't see big bucks any other time of the year, but there's this 14-day time period that the big bucks come out, and so do the people who hunt. And so a good hunter, (laughs) what a good hunter is going to do is that they are going to pursue these bigger bucks because the bigger bucks are harder to get. They're harder to get because they're so intelligent and so smart, and the only time that they're going to come out is during this 14-day time period. Period. So if I'm going to have the honor of hunting this 14-day day time period, the thing I'm doing is I am going to put on camo and hide, right? I'm going to go up in a tree and hide. I have a scent. It's called the vaporizer that I'll put down in the spot that I'm hoping to shoot. And it puts up a scent that is a f- fake scent um, that says, I am a d- dough in heat. And this fake scent is coming up. And then I'm going to call. I have these fake calls. I am a human being trying to be a dough in heat. And during that 14-day time period, I am really good at being a dough in heat. I am a really hot dough. And so I will be Calling. I have the vaporizer going and sending up these puffs of paper. And then I have a, a decoy, a full-body decoy that I put out right in the spot that that vapor is shooting out. I've done this a long time, and I'm really good at it. And if there is a buck anywhere, it doesn't have a chance. <laughs> okay. I'm crying because at times it doesn't seem fair. So I'm really good. The thing that's funny is, for every big buck that comes, if a big buck comes, there'll be 10 to 15 tiny bucks that will just, as soon as that vapor comes out, these bucks are dumb. They're just dumb. And they get that scent and they are on it. And I said, to the friend I'm talking to, that's what you're doing. You're dumb. You are charging in at the, the cheap scent. And then if I have to actually be a really good hunter, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. There are times I've seen bucks come in that they can tell that the decoy I have up is totally fake. They see me up in the tree. But the scent... And the decoy, they're like trying to backpedal because they know I'm there, but they're coming forward at the same time because their biology says, this is what I need. And as a hunter, it sucks because you're like, run, why are you so, like, we don't want to be those bugs coming in to the scent and the decoy and the calls, but in those times, I'm a really good apex predator, and I would hate to be on the other side of the arrow that I have, because I'm really, really good. I think the truth is, and here's the brass tacks of it, being human beings, oftentimes in the church, we are talked about um, as being, being in a battle, a spiritual battle, and we have to fight. And we got to fight for the kingdom. We need to fight for the gospel. And we need to fight. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. I think if I understand the Apostle Paul here, th- this isn't even a fight. You are being hunted. And I would hate to be on the other side of the enemy's arrow as far as sexual sin goes. This isn't a battle. You are being hunted. And this is something that the one who is hunting us has taken down. Anyone who has ever fallen into sexual sin, he's done it right? It's like anyone who has ever fallen, anyone who has ever cheated, anyone who has ever been tempted, anyone—it's him. He did it from the beginning of time. The same one who who caused Adam and Eve to fall, it wasn't a battle for them. He hunted them, and he was brilliant. There is a brilliant hunter— who is coming and pursuing us, and he has the vaporizer, he has the decoys, and he has the camo, and you have no idea. And some of you see it, and it's clear as day, but you're backpedaling at the same time you're going forward, you're hitting the gas and the brakes at the same time. You're a human being, I get it, and so does he. Just how I hunt deer, he hunts you. That's just the brass tacks. And that's why Paul says, flee, run, pack up and go. Don't give it the time of day. Don't look at the decoy. It's fake. Don't, I mean like, and you can just see the father's heart saying, this is not for you. This is not for you. And then he turns the corner here, and here's the ending. This is how it all, here it is. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Keep going. So, therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, so, so Paul says all this, like, run away from sexual immorality. You are being hunted. Go. Get out of there. Because your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought with a price. It's like you don't even belong there. You're not—you don't belong there. You are the temple. Going back to who is Paul. Whenever Paul talks about the temple, you need to understand he's talking about his heart. That's how this began. When he says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that isn't just this, this poetic thing. That, Paul is not poetic. There is nothing poetic about Paul. <laughs> Seriously. He's calling it out. He is a brass tacks. Here it is. You are the temple. You are God's heart. You are God's house. You are, your body is owned, What you do can honor God with your body. Who you are honors him. Whenever Paul talks about the temple, there's a lot going on behind that. Think about about the thing that the temple is. It is the place in the holy city that God dwells. It's the place... That people come from all over to celebrate the truth of what God has done for them. It is the place that big parties happen and festivals. It is the place that the, the gospel of the Jewish people is proclaimed with trumpets. And it is the testament that God is. What is the first thing that a conquering country is going to do? do if they conquer the Hebrew people. The first thing, every time, they sack the temple. The enemy, when they conquer the Hebrew people, the first thing to prove your God is not who you think he is, they sack the temple and they defile the temple. They do bad things in the temple. A bunch of the bad things are brought up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In the temple, the holy places of God. Because if that can happen in the holy places of God, it's very obvious that your God is fake. That's what happens to the Hebrew people over and over and over again. But it seems that the Jewish people always conquer their city back They get their temple back, and there are chapters in the Old Testament of how you prededicate and you consecrate the temple to proclaim, this is the house of God. Our God is God, and there's sacrifices that happen, and horns that blow, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit, like, God always buys back his temple it's like all of the horrific things that the Assyrians, the Persians, the uh, people from Babylon have done in their temple. God says, no, this is my house where I dwell. This is the testament of who I am. So if you believe that you have done things, or you are things, or you've been engaged in things that have separated you from God in all eternity, and you are a disgusting, horrible person. You're not. God always buys back his temple and consecrates his temple, and sacrifices happen, and trumpets blow, and hopes bounds, and peace happens, and love is. And then everyone comes to the holy city. And so when Paul says, do you not know You are the temple that the Holy Spirit dwells. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is not shaming. This, it isn't condemning. This is, I think you forgot who you are. And I think you forgot who God is. And I I think you forgot how you two go together and that he dwells in you and that you were bought, you were paid for, you were forgiven, grace abounds, and good things are for you because you are a daughter and you are a son of God. This is what is fun about these passages because they are filled in hope and promise and beauty. So when Paul says, whenever you encounter these things, run, because this is not for you. The question is, where do you go? All right? So it isn't you go in fear. It's not you you go because you're terrified or you go in shame. It's run. You run to the house of the Lord. You run Run to his sacrifice. You run to his grace. You run to your father. You run to each other. You engage yourself with the family who cares about you. Because sin thrives when you are alone. But here, it just doesn't exist. Sin loses its power in the community of God and that is what is for you. Jesus wants you to thrive and be whole and have hope and to have peace and to have love and all the things you desire. Those are the things that are for you. So the question is is how do you approach these things? If you are someone who is engaging in something that it's very obvious you shouldn't. And you're hearing that, run. Like, run, just run. Like, there's the arrow pointed directly at your heart. Run. What do you do? Here's the first thing. Just talk to somebody. Talk to someone who cares. There are a lot of people in this space who would love to talk. Have someone pray for you. Sign up for counseling. Talk to someone. So if you are someone who is is trying to run, but you are stuck, that there is a brown bear coming after you, but you are like in the spot where you can't go anywhere, and you're like, holy crap, there's a brown bear after me. Sometimes you just have to have someone to help pull you out. Like, you can't get out by yourself. That's why community is really important. So, so, so talk to someone, sign up for counseling. There's a lot of people who are, are dying just to grab you and help pull you out. There are some of us who who are hearing this and saying, how can I be someone who can help, say, run? I see tons of people caught up in things, and I see people that I care about that that are going down bad paths. You, because you care for the people in your family, because you care for the people in your church— have the heart of Paul and saying, run, run, get out of there. It is okay from a heart of compassion and a heart of grace and a heart of peace to help come alongside and pull people out because of your desire for them to be happy, whole, healthy, and to see the face of God. That is our Posture. Our posture is not condemning. Our posture is not shaming. Our posture is pointing to do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? As Paul has pointed at the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the grace of Jesus abounds, and his heart is for you. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for being here. Thank you for engaging hard conversations, but for speaking the vocabulary of our heart. Thank you for always being a God of hope and a God who consecrates things, a God who sacrifices for things. Thank you for being a God who isn't surprised by our sin. Our sin does not surprise you. Thank you for being a God who sees all of us, our past, our present, our future, and you love us. God, we thank you for the things that you are doing here in the hearts of our family. We thank you for, for the places you are bringing us and the things you are speaking to us. So I'm gonna invite you to stand up. And the act of st- 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 standing up is simply saying, I am here. It's a physical act that has a spiritual heartbeat. God, I am here. And in this posture of I am here, I want you to pay attention to the things that the Holy Spirit is saying at this time. But I also want you to pay attention to the things that the Holy Spirit isn't saying at this time. in the past that you have heard shame, in the past that you've heard guilt, in the past where you have been embarrassed, in the past that you have felt unforgiveness, pay attention that that is not a thing that is being spoken or shared. There is a theology of the body that Jesus bought that. He bought your heart and everything attached to it. He cares for all of you. What is he sp- speaking at this time? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The place where he dwells. So at this point in time, I'm going to invite people of the prayer team to come up. And for the congregation, there are people here that are are excited to pray for you. And as the band is playing... Feel free to come up, to get prayer, come to the altar, to uh, to be present, uh, to offer God the things that he's calling you to offer him. And for us who are, are st- 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 standing at our seats, there's a prayer in our hearts that says, I am yours. All of it my heart and everything attached to it. You are the breath. I am yours. What are the things that you have not offered him that you are excited to bring to this table of abundance? Well, coming out of this message, whatever I... Whatever God is doing in your heart, in your mind, whatever questions you may have or prayer requests, we are here for you. We're here with you. So we would love to connect with you. Please reach out. Send us a message. You can go on our website. There's a chat box. We would love to talk to you, pray for you, or process with you. Just know that we're in this together and you are part of the family. So have a blessed rest of your day and we'll see you next time.